Okay, we should be live. Okay, so uh, welcome everybody to the seventh episode of Podcasts. Podcasts is the uh, podcast where I interview the maximum experts of digital marketing and meta ads in general. Um, and today I am so proud and honored to have <laughs> with us Sarah Levinger. Uh, I, I'm not saying anything about you, uh, so I want you to please uh, introduce yourself for the few ones who, who don't know you and don't know what you're doing. Um, in any case, I will just say this. If you, uh, before even starting listening to this podcast, go following Sarah Levenger on Twitter or LinkedIn based on your favorite social, whichever it is. And so, Sarah, please um, introduce yourself and give a little bit of more context about you and what is your work and what do you do? Sure, yes. This, uh, this podcast has been a long time coming. Paolo has been so patient with me. <laughs> <laughs> has been well. Uh, it's been a wild ride so far. Um, currently, I am a behavior strategist. I'm a consumer behavior analyst, um, and I create a strategist in general, just for performance, specifically for D2C brands. Um, and it's it's quite interesting work. So really, I study people for a living, um, <clears throat> specifically emotions that come out of language. So it's a really fascinating job. I learn a lot about humans, um, and it's really really fun this is a cool industry to be involved in so thank you for having me <laughs> no worries thank you for for accepting to <laughs> to be here actually and so uh, as you mentioned you so you are um you are a counselor behavior specialist you work as a creative strategist if i'm not wrong yep. uh right. it is maybe one of your uh, of many of your roles <laughs> and so i will ask you the first question which is how did you become like the point of reference when it comes to psychology based ads at least on twitter on linkedin you are the point of reference so <laughs> what, what 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 has been your path what did you study if, yeah. if you have something i have like the weirdest journey ever um i've actually been in advertising and marketing for 15 almost 16 years, almost 16 years. So it's been a long time. Uh, I started actually in graphic design and branding and I worked for a water testing company. It was very boring. <laughs> that was like okay. in my second year of college, I got an internship and I was just doing like a bunch of Photoshop work for them. And that was about it. Um, and it was interesting because two years into that, they cut my role. They were just like, we don't need you anymore. Uh, we're just not going to have this position paid on staff. But if you want to, you can go and just like create your own business and then we'll hire you as a contractor. And at the time I was like, I'm 20. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to build a business. Like, okay. So then I, you know, you just figured it out. At that time I just went and legal zoom was a thing. So I got an LLC and then I started freelancing for the next like 15 years. And it was interesting because I kept having customers come in and mm -hmm. ask me, do you know how to do email marketing? Do you know how to do WordPress websites or Facebook ads? And I always, every time I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I had no idea how to do it. Like I wasn't, I never <laughs> before my life. So I had to learn how to do it. And I went to the library of all places. So uh, I would pick up all these big books on marketing and like, you know, okay. understanding all these different tactics. And in that section was a bunch of psychology books. So I started learning mm. about consumer behavior and, you know, all these different like economics and finance and like consumer psychology and it just kind of exploded for me. Like for, for the next 10, 15 years, I just studied as much as I possibly could on my own, just because mm -hmm. it was interesting. Like I just, I just really liked psychology. Um, I'm entirely self-taught just based upon whatever was at the library. And if you've ever been to like 
an old school library. It's just textbooks from the 80s. That's basically mm-hmm. all that's over there. So I read a ton of textbooks, lots and lots of really interesting things on how the human mind works and neuroscience, blah, blah, blah. I didn't ever really use it outside of just, you know, normal marketing tactics because I was in yeah. kind of generalized marketing until I fell into paid advertising. And that, again, was not on purpose. <laughs> I had a customer that was like, do you run Facebook ads? And I was like, yeah. So then I went to the library so I could learn how to use it yeah. and how to do it. Um, and then accidentally got on Twitter. And that happened because of COVID. Because I was at okay. home with two little kids. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And I was like, I'm going to go crazy. Like, I need I need to talk to somebody who's not a child. Um, I love my children. <laughs> but I was like, I need to talk to my life. So I got on Twitter. And I just started talking to people and following people. And then I randomly shared a post. I think this was 2021. It was like end of 2021. That was just like, okay. here's how you could use psychology in this particular ad. And it just exploded. Like it's... Wow on accident, <laughs> created oh, a following. Um, yeah, and the rest is well, kind of history. <laughs> that, that's great. So you started actually as an, let, let's call it operator in the yeah. digital market, in the yeah. marketing space. Uh, and then you you came across some books, uh, which uh, you, you mentioned they are old, but as you teach us, the old the thing don't change uh yeah, people are yeah. always the same so <laughs> the the same psychological tricks that worked in 1980s uh, work uh, still now mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. that's so interesting so what do you do right now for your clients so if, if someone has to hire you what do they expect to to see from you and have from you yeah my role has changed quite a lot last year i was doing um a whole lot of nlp work so NLP, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but mm-hmm. this was <laughs> something that I was basically doing to try and figure out which emotions were working in which ads. So okay. I had created kind of a system inside Excel uh, where I would pull down a whole bunch of reviews, stick them into Excel, and then categorize them one by one into nine different emotional motivators. And that came out of a book written by a good friend of mine, Will Leach, um, who developed kind of this psychology model around the nine emotional motivators we use to purchase. So that was termed NLP, natural language processing. It's a data analyst term, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't know I was doing that, but that's what I was doing. And then from there, I could accurately identify which emotions people were using to purchase. And every brand had a different set of emotions. It was really interesting work. So I was doing NLPs a lot last year. This year, it's kind of morphed a little bit. And now I basically do straight just training. So I teach a lot. Um, mm-hmm. specifically with large-scale agencies, large-scale brands that come in and actually teach people about the psychology okay. of how you purchase things, what consumers want, how to track trends on things so you can accurately identify which ads to run and when. So okay. most of my job now is a lot of teaching, which is great. That, I love it. Okay, that's great. That's great. Uh, and also you you mentioned that uh, also in a, in a tweet that you tweeted yesterday, uh, that creative strategists are maybe the most the like the closer to what you are doing is co- is that correct? Yeah, yeah. The the role of the creative strategist. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, and uh, here comes the question because here in Italy, uh, at least for Ian in Italy, uh, it is not that recognized as um, mm. as a role. So the yeah. advertiser is also a creative strategist. And maybe uh, people take that from granted. So they say, okay, why should we need a creative yeah. strategy? Yeah. So what what is the difference between an advertiser and a creative strategist? 
Oh, this is such a good question. I am kind of changing my stance on this just a tiny bit. Last year, okay. I was very much like creative strategy. This is the role. Like everybody needs one. It's super <laughs> important. And then I started talking to some people within the industry. And of course, there are some roles that have the basic skill set and knowledge of a creative strategist. They just aren't called that, right? So in general, a copywriter is very, very well-versed at what creative strategists do, save for just a few skill sets. So the copywriter is very good at research, at, at understanding the consumer, understanding emotions and how people purchase, understanding the you know customer journey, those types of things. They're also very good at messaging towards that. That's what they're trained to do. Um, copywriters, I would say, are the closest we can get to having a psychologist in the industry. Uh, they just don't get credit for that, obviously. So props to all the copywriters out there. Um, the toughest part about that is copywriters do not usually have performance knowledge, right? So they don't have metric knowledge. They have never done paid advertising. They just, they, they write the messaging based upon the research and then give it to the media buyers who then place it into an ad and run it, right? So I think creative strategist was kind of born out of this need for somebody who can do both creative and the actual like technical knowledge of the work. So my stance has changed a little bit. I do think creative strategy is still very, very, very important. I'm not entirely sure that we need to have a completely new role built for that. I think media buyers can be creative strategists. I think copywriters can be creative strategists. I think you can do both because it really just, it comes down to what your skill set is and how attuned you are to people. So that's kind of where I stand now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I totally agree. Uh, so when I discovered you and your videos, your interviews, most of all, because uh, as you also said to me, YouTube is coming soon, but you don't have some native, uh, native content generated by you so far. Uh, you said that um, it is very, very important to uh, watch to the ads from another another point of view, not only to, okay, which uh, maybe which angle is working, use UGCs versus statics. Let's see what is the real content in the ads. Mm -hmm. What emotions and psychology like tricks yeah. are involved in that uh, in that process. And so uh, the, I was really, really impressed by a, a phrase that you, that by a sentence that you said in a podcast, which I don't remember, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> where you said some, something that really uh, stunned me. And I said, okay, I have to reconsider everything that I've learned so far. You said that when you turned from like uh, uh, ad set based on angles uh, to ad set based on emotions or psychological yeah. traits, uh, you reduce the CPA by 35%, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and here comes, of course, the questions that everyone may ask you uh, by, by now. Uh, how do you understand and how do you find the psychology based angles to find and to use in the ads? Yeah, oh, that's such a good question. So this stems from last year when I was doing a lot of NLP work where I was basically just categorizing people's like language that they were using, right? So we were, I was categorizing a ton of reviews, um, just thousands and thousands of them. And I just read so much that you start to notice uh, common words are used over and over and over by people. So often in the beauty industry in particular, um, there's a lot of this like glam or chic or, you know, like... Words will get regurgitated a lot um, if you're in like apparel or especially in like athletic apparel, 
cute, comfortable, you know, stylish, those words will get reused a lot. So as I was going through and categorizing all of these, it was very easy to see not just like the benefits and the features of what people wanted, but they would attach it to an emotional word, right? So instead of just saying like, these are super comfy, they would say a longer phrase, like these are so comfy that it just makes me want to stay in my house all day, right? And like, wow. just enjoy being a human. So it was very much self-love that came out of it, right? So okay. as you start to read and process what people say, oftentimes you can tell exactly what emotions are attached to which benefit, which makes it a lot easier to develop ads because in general, we used to do angles, which was very much focused on, we're going to do, you know, I don't know, 20 something moms. We're going to do golfers. We're going to do, you know, basically attributing a label to somebody, but we didn't have any emotion inside of that label. So it was just going after, I don't know, people who do karate, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. or like fashionistas. We didn't know why they purchased. We just knew that they did. So angles used to work when we used to be able to retarget really well because people mm -hmm. would see enough ads that the, the familiarity of it would be increased quite a bit. Yeah. Nowadays, because we can't retarget anything and the, the creative is the only thing that can target people, the only way that we can target now is through emotional language. Yeah. So ho hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's great. Yeah. So you basically said that you take like you see if there's any overused word yeah. or co commonly used word um, between all the uh, reviews and so on. And then you try to develop from that. You, yeah. you start from that yeah. from there to mm -hmm. like develop some copies. And then as a consequence, uh, the psychological angles uh, um, connected to that yeah. words, to those okay. words. Yep. Uh, and as you said correctly, we are making like the um, the targeting starting from the creative. So I mm -hmm. I saw uh, sometimes sometimes ago um, a post. I don't remember also here who was <laughs> that. Who was that? Uh, but it showed that how by uh, clicking on the the image which opens like with the right right yeah. button of the mouse okay uh and you can like see the source uh, and see all the code involved in that creative uh mm -hmm. it showed that facebook was able to recognize which uh was what was represented in the image and yeah. that is incredible because yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as we know the the targeting has been limited through uh since 2021 Mm -hmm. yeah. um, because of iOS 14 and as you said in the last tweet uh, which I was mentioning before in which I will uh, read again you said it's been almost three years since iOS 14 dropped the need for humans who can successfully fill the performance creative strategy role is massive and will only continue to grow so why aren't there more creative strategies <laughs> so this is I, I think a not take I think that. Uh, from what you say, also here, companies are not uh, really uh, aware of the role of a creative strategist and yeah. on the importance of researching and putting a lot of effort into creating psychological-based creatives. Uh, and also here, I would ask you, will this maybe uh, be an advantage for all those who are able to develop creatives like psychology-based ads and what will be um, an advice that we will give to maybe new brands or someone who is just starting making psychological-based ads mm -hmm. to make those ads more relevant and like more well-targeted? 
Yeah, it, it's, it's quite interesting because this is kind of multifaceted. So creative strategy in itself, it's still relatively new. Um, obviously, we've been in, in it for you know six, eight months, almost a year now, where we've started to kind of understand that we need somebody that can do all of these different things at the same time. The funny part is that person used to be called a CMO <laughs> or, you know, like a marketing director. That's what that person would. Yeah. The marketing manager, yeah. marketing manager. Yeah, exactly. Somebody who had the ability to look at both creative and data, pull them together and then decide which direction we're going to go. Right. So there were very strategy based roles. The interesting yeah. part is, though, a lot of these younger brands don't have the capital to be able to purchase that role at this point in time. So they have to have somebody that can come in and do it like in the interim, basically. And that's what a creative strategist, I think, was supposed to fill was somebody that can do it and kind of can kind of, I don't know, grow into the CMO role. But we just need somebody at base level, right? Just like basement level. Can you just come in and tell us what to do? If you are a brand that doesn't currently have this role that needs it, I would take a look at who internally has a much more creative mind. Personally, I believe that it's much harder to teach creativity than it is to teach metrics. A lot of people can learn and understand what a CPA is, how it relates to click-through rates, how that relates to hold and hook. Like that can be taught, uh, the metrics of it at least, performance-wise, but it's very hard to find somebody who understands content. So if you are a brand that doesn't have a creative strategist, find yourself somebody who gets the content, just understands TikTok, they understand the content on the platforms, they can come up with really interesting novel ideas because that's what gets prioritized by the platform. And that includes ads. <laughs> it's not just an organic thing. Facebook, Meta, TikTok, Instagram, all of them prioritize new novel ideas over iterations of old things. So, yeah, it's a complicated problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Easy way to do it. Yeah, imagine, imagine. And in fact, uh, something that you mentioned is, um, maybe you said that also in a tweet, uh, that is, try to consume the content that your target consumes. 100%, yep. <laughs> I, I heard the story of a researcher that was like, be in charge to like make ads and make a market research for a cereal company, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, which was, uh, which had to promote in India. And this guy took a flight to India and lived in the houses of families from uh, from native Indians. Yeah. And, and, and that is actually, we don't need maybe to go that deep with the research, <laughs> with the research, but something that can be relatable and be like the, the same thing, but applied online, maybe, maybe yeah. joining Facebook groups, watching videos about exactly. maybe reviews, because reviews are being viewed by the target audience yeah. of your exactly. product. And that is so, so interesting. And also you mentioned two important things. You mentioned the, uh, the prioritization of meta, of mm -hmm. new concepts. I don't yeah. know if that word you, it's, if that's the word you used, new mm -hmm. concepts, yeah. versus iterations. Mm -hmm. And also here, someone uh, that, that I also heard some, some days ago don't, don't, uh, doesn't uh, really know what is the uh, new concept versus iteration thing. They, they always uh, mm -hmm. mis, misspell iteration, say iterations, which is another <laughs> thing. <laughs> and it, does, it doesn't relate to, yeah. uh, to, to creative strategies. Yeah, yeah. Ah, this is such a hot button topic, I think. Um, 
I think Jess from Fireteam is is going to come after me, but I'm not entirely sure <laughs> that iterations are the best way to do any sort of paid advertising unless, unless, unless you're a big brand that can handle that capacity, right? So iterations in general are beneficial only if you find an ad that's literally just like crushing and you know it's going to crush mm -hmm. for months and months and months. Mm -hmm. That's probably the only time that I would try and iterate from it and, and figure out what's working in there and then build more of those. For the younger brands, the smaller brands, it's almost always more beneficial, I would say, to try and generate new concepts um, and figure out which emotions are currently working with your customer, going back to that psychology. Then it would be taking one ad and continuously trying to like basically gamble, right? And and hit red again, <laughs> like yeah yeah it depends on the size of your brand but it also depends on this i was just talking to a brand about this today it also depends on where you make your money and this goes down into a little bit of brand finance that i don't think any of the operators have a whole lot of understanding of which we need more education in um which i think ron from avi is about to come out with a course about brand finance and i'm like oh i will be the very first to take it um <laughs> where you make your money is pretty important on that ad it it will directly affect how long you can run that ad, but it also directly affects if you should continue to prioritize iterations or new concepts. If you have a customer that comes in high AOV on the front, but churns a lot on the back, then you need to mm -hmm. make sure that you make as many conversions as possible, yeah. which then would make sense. I need to make a lot of iterations of this so that I can yeah. try and get a ton of people to purchase. If you make your money on the back end, like AOV is kind of lower we have, you know, a lower conversion set, but once we get people in the door, our LTV is massive on this side. Yeah. It makes more sense to me to continue to test new concepts and try and build basically like brand loyalty than it is to make quick wins on the front. It just depends on where you make your money and how that customer lives inside your ecosystem. If they're here for a long time, I'm not sure iterations are going to do much for you because we're not really going for large scale conversions. We're going for keeping customers so it just uh, i don't know it just depends and like i said ron would have more knowledge about that than i would but depends. that that's a very very interesting point of view because i i was about to say you okay why shouldn't we run both as also Barry said, yeah. um, iterations and new concepts. But mm -hmm. as you said, uh, and that's something that I'm seeing also on my uh, on my accounts. If you have like a, a single product store, or maybe a, a a product that doesn't need to be renewed or repurchased yeah. over the time, or it doesn't have a very very large catalog, mm -hmm. you don't. It it is useless to like uh, ignore. Uh, working ads uh, and yeah. start with new <laughs> concepts. You know yeah. that those are working. You know that those are working and try to scale like exactly. that concept. Yeah. Um, well, if you have, uh, of course, maybe you are break even, even break even on the first purchase, but you have um, a high, high end, uh, back end um, yeah. value, you, you should focus on making new concepts in order to maybe also increase the AOV and try to maybe be profitable at first purchase. Yeah, I, exactly. I would yeah. say. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Uh, and I would go with the last question, which is, of course, many people are saying, okay, that, that's so great. Uh, thanks for all the, all <laughs> the knowledge. But how do I, 
apply this and where can I find maybe some inspirations? I know I, I'm uh, revealing something that I wanted to keep secret, which is <laughs> your foreplay. But actually, I, I, I bet it will be one of the main sources of inspiration that you would recommend. But uh, if you have anything that you would recommend. Yeah. Uh, I, 100% of the time, I try really, really hard to to remember that I'm not nearly as good at conceptualization as I think I am. Um, and that keeps you a little bit like uh, humble, right? <laughs> Which is important, I think, as a marketer, because we gotta, we gotta remember that like, no matter what we think is going to work, oftentimes it's the most random thing ever that yeah, does work. Exactly. So I, yes, I'm right there with you. My four flag board is probably one of the first places I go because I can basically check and see what other humans are creating. And oftentimes brains work better with other brains in the room. And if you can't get another brain to sit there and brainstorm with you, foreplay is probably the best place to go because you, then you can just check and see what other people are doing. Outside of that, I'm on TikTok a lot. Like probably more than I should be. <laughs> but I like to see what the organic users are creating because our ads are competing with organic content, right? People can either watch something organic yeah, from a user exactly. or creator that they love or they can sit and watch our ad that is persuading them to buy something that they probably don't want or need at this moment in time. So yeah. the best thing that we can do is try and create ads that look native. This is why UGC became a thing because they looked native for a very long time. Now customers have gotten so used to what a UGC ad looks like that they can tell the difference, right? They can tell yeah. it apart. So you did, I, would, I would say that UGC will never die. Just like stacks won't die, gifts won't die, like video won't die. Like, the format of the video will never die. However, the concepts inside them, like the content that's actually being produced, that's starting to fatigue. Because nobody wants to hear like three reasons why I purchased <laughs> like nobody, Like nobody cares about that anymore, right? They yeah. used to because it was novel. That's the interesting part about humans is we are constantly looking for novel experiences that feel familiar. So we don't want something that's like completely ridiculously new out of the box. Just, mm -hmm. you know, so wildly different that we have to try and figure out what the heck this is. Yeah. We would so much rather have something that's like, oh, that's different, but I, I know what it is. I can tell yeah. that it's something I've interacted with before. So ads are the same. Every ad we create should be novel, but familiar. That's great. That's a great advice. So uh, you you basically say that you you consume a lot of TikTok content, which is maybe one of the one of the places where content is mostly consumed, yeah. and try to see from there, like not like what is the style of the video, the mm -hmm. uh, the structure of the video, but what they are saying. Yeah, and yep. so that you can apply it. And I know your your like your strategy on making creatives starting from something yep. I, 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 I don't want to anticipate you so <laughs> let, let people know what is like what would you recommend starting from instead of starting with UGCs which yep. is maybe something that people would do what is your process yeah I always start with static every single time every brand I've ever worked with I always tell them please stop trying to make video <laughs> please start with a static because they're cheap. They're so cheap to run and they're so cheap to make. You can make one with it like 10 minutes. You also they're don't fast. have to have a high level of skill to make them, right? Like you don't have to be a graphic designer. You can make them in Canva and Figma and Photoshop. I mean, I have seen an ad recently going around the internet that's literally like, I don't know how someone did this, a very old school version of Microsoft Paint 
and they just put the image in the middle of it and said, our graphic designer is on vacation. Please buy our product. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. A, a brilliant yeah. ad that somebody was like, this, okay, sure. That's going to work, right? You don't have to get crazy good with it. And Barry would be proud. I think, honestly, most of <laughs> our ads should be kind of ugly. Yeah. Um, or really, to describe it a little bit better, most of your ads should not look like the platform, like normal content, right? It should yeah. be something different. This is why the sticky note ad worked so well for so long because yeah. sticky notes were something that not a whole lot of people have seen in a long time, right? Unless you're of a specific age group, not a whole lot of millennials or Gen X are using sticky notes. So yeah, it was yeah. different, right? It was novel. And this is where it comes back to the psychology is people will notice that. It, people notice things that are just strange. Um, so yeah, start, start, start. Please start with the static. It's just so much cheaper. Then once you find a winner, something that's actually producing for you, and based upon you know what your metrics are, what your margins look like, those type of things, then you can move it into a movable form. So this is when I move any sort of winning static concept, emotion, into it like a GIF or GIF or however you say it. Um, mm -hmm. And from there, if that one starts to win, then and only then will I prioritize expensive content, which is UGC and Pro Video. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so I, I, it came out uh, from from my mind another question, uh, which is I, you sent me that, but I think it it has been updated. But what like what is the the one book that you would recommend for everyone to for a starter? I would say that yeah. that has uh, with, with that book has uh, enough knowledge to start working by himself or herself. Yeah, uh, marketing to mindset. 100%. This, this one I absolutely love. It's kind of my go-to Bible specifically for understanding consumer purchasing habits from an emotional mm -hmm. standpoint. It just it described it so well. Will was just really good. He wrote it amazingly. Outside of that, though, I have like top five that I usually go to. Um, mm -hmm. for, uh, I, I, they're kind of like swapping, <laughs> swapping positions. Before, yeah. Because I just I, I keep reading them over and over and over as we go through the year. Uh, particularly Irrational by Dan Ariely is fantastic. Um, okay. One of my favorite ones, just because this one goes deep into how people make decisions and yeah. how the subconscious comes into play when we actually like go about our lives, our daily lives. That one's fantastic. Misbehaving is very deep into the economics of how okay. culture actually purchases things and moves through buying decisions. That one is bonkers, though. Like if if you enjoy dry. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, very textbook style reading. I think that one's amazing. Um, and then after that, oh my gosh, I ha I'd have to look it up on my phone, but those are probably top three right now. So that's great. That's great. I also read Factory of Choice. I don't know <gasps> if it's in so your list. Good. So, yeah. yeah, that one was so, so good. Any of those like choice architecture books are just really powerful for anybody in paid advertising. Yeah. That was yeah. A good one. I, I totally agree. So uh, I, I really, really thank you for, for being here and for, yes. for answering all the questions from, uh, from us, uh, which don't know very, very much about psychology. I, I'm starting, I'm trying, I'm, I'm making my own posts where I talk about this and try to, <laughs> but I, I would never be uh, like, like you as a point of reference uh, you you are uh, i don't know if you know but you Thank are you. a point of reference <laughs> in the in the <laughs> space only no took me 15 years that's all it took <laughs> was 15 yeah. years of reading <laughs> that, 
Yeah, that, that makes a little bit of difference <laughs> between, between us. <laughs> Thank you very much. And for, for everyone who is still listening, this, is, this was Podcast 7. Uh, Podcasts is the podcast where I interview the maximum experts of methods and digital marketing in general. This was Sarah Levinger, uh, which I, again, thank, thank you very, very much. Uh, and have a good day, everyone. And see you next time. Bye.